You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress and animal enthusiast, is on her own in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the Tales of the City. Hey guys, it's Victoria Schaefer, your host of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I hope you haven't forgotten about me. It's been a while. I've been living in Los Angeles this past year working hard at Jimmy Kimmel Live in their field department. For those of you who don't know what the field department is, it's basically the department that works on all the specialty bits like man on the streets, celebrity bits, any pranks. So I had a lot of fun in that department. Some days I would be on the street recruiting pedestrians to interview, usually lying about Donald Trump or something of that nature. And then other days I would be working with some of the coolest people, celebrities. Probably my favorite bit that I worked on was My Super Sweet 60th with Brian Cranston. Uh, You could check it out on the Jimmy Kimmel Live YouTube channel, but it's based off of one of my guilty pleasures growing up, My Super Sweet 16, where they would show a whole big elaborate party going on. So we did a similar thing for Brian Cranston for his 60th birthday. So yeah, that was one of my personal faves and probably the funniest bit I worked on. So it was an absolutely incredible year filled with new experiences and a ton of new friends. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out whether I'm an East Coaster or a West Coaster. I thought that I was an East Coaster, but now being back in Manhattan, I'm missing that nice weather as it's been extremely cold back in New York. But Echo, Rue, and I are happy to be back home in Manhattan where there's public transportation, thank goodness, and there's time to get back to recording Tales of the City. So I'm super excited about my first guest this year, Vanessa Williams. Williams has proven that she can do it all. Actress, singer, dancer, author, designer, mother of four, Yet she's not too busy to throw a couple of dogs into the mix, let alone some of the largest dogs. So stick around because after this commercial break, I'll be speaking with Vanessa Williams, finding out how she juggles her career with her family and some pretty massive dogs. Sit and stay. Tales of the City will be right back in two shakes of a, well, tail. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Hi, Miss Williams. Thanks so much for joining me today on Pet Life Radio. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. 
So you're an actress, singer, dancer, author, designer, mother, and a dog owner. So that's a serious list of credentials you have. (laughs) I know you're super busy, so I really appreciate you making the time to speak with me today. No problem. So you've publicly spoken about your love of Great Danes and all that the breed has to offer. Can you tell me a little bit about how you discovered this breed and then how that convinced you to adopt not one, but two of these ginormous dogs? Well, I had a family friend growing up that had one, and I was fascinated by the enormity of this this beast. And I always loved to ride horses, so I was, I think, enthralled with the idea of having large animals around me. And then I did a movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. back in 1984. And in the scene I had to, it was between a Great Dane and a a Doberman Pinscher. They ended up shooting the Pinscher, but I had done the scene with a Great Dane and a Doberman Pinscher and just loved the Great Dane. They're regal. They're amazing. They're just always, you know, kind of awesome. And when I was shooting uh, Ugly Betty in the the pilot, America Ferreira uh, was walking a Great Dane in the show. And so when we started doing our first season, she adopted one from Gentle Giants out in, in Norco, California, which is run by Burt Ward and his wife. And they basically are a, a shelter and adoption agency for large breed dogs, Salukis and Mastiffs and, and Great Danes. And uh, so she got one uh, called Lucy, a mantle, black and white mantle, and she brought it on set along with her other dog, Buddy. And I had always had dogs growing up, but basically small dogs. I wanted to see about having my own great day and everyone was trying to talk me out of it. But I just said, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I saw how great Lucy was on set. And uh, so I went to Gentle Giants and the first one, I went with my daughter and my husband at the time. And the first one they brought out was Willa, who is the, the fawn day that we've had for, she's 11. Well, wow. they don't really know exactly when, you know, they're born because they come mm-hmm. from shelters. And apparently she was from a litter of seven from a Chicago shelter. But she came out and she was just so regal. And uh, they showed her to us first. And they said, yeah, this is a movie star dog. You have to have it. <laughs> and then we looked at probably six others. And she was the one who was waiting by the door to come back out after everybody else was showed. And she's been with us ever since. And she was so good and so easy and easy to manage and just would crawl up in a little ball and neat and polite and never had an issue that I said, oh, my God, I love this breed. So I was in the makeup chair in the Desperate Housewives trailer. And one of the hairdressers on the other side of the room said, I just know somebody who had a litter of 16 Great Danes. I said, 16. oh my God, please don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. I said, because you know, I'm gonna, I said, where are they? Uh, so we um, we were shooting in LA and we went north and my mom was with me that time and uh, we picked out Grayson, who's a, a male who ended up being, uh, Grayson's about 227 oh pounds right now. I know he needs to go on a diet, but he's... he's <laughs> So he I'm, blows all of Willa's attributes out of the water. He's not dainty at all. He's mechanic. <laughs> he slobbers. He's he's a oh mess, but I love him so. <laughs> so where is Grayson from? Grayson was from a couple that had basically bred their two dogs and had a litter of 16 in, in, in California as well. In California. But yeah. you live in New York now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how did you transport these ginormous dogs from California to New York? Because I actually... I have a 90 pound dog, which is big enough for me. And I uh, 
ended up driving across the country twice mm-hmm. when I went to live out there this past year. I just couldn't imagine yeah. any bigger dogs traveling across the country with. Yes, they had to be driven. There there are no crates that are big enough for Grayson for sure, and I didn't want to put him underneath the plane. So my middle daughter drove Willa out the first time when I was doing uh, Ugly Betty, and then they were driven back by a service, and it was a lovely sprinter van with some other some other animals that were making the, the cross-country journey, and then that's how they basically have gone back and forth. And it's there's wonderful services now that, that dogs can be transported with, and it's uh, but it's also great to do your own road trip that she just with her college buddies. Yeah, I did the same thing. It was so fun. Uh, (laughs) We, well, one of my dogs probably swam in every body of water in every (laughs) Southern state from New York to California and back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was an experience. Yeah. Will has been uh, in Chicago and she went to Mount Rushmore and all the, all the great sites too. (laughs) What is it like fitting two great Danes into a car? (laughs) Well, it's not too, too bad because, again, they kind of like roll up into a little ball. So Grayson usually gets the back. I've got a truck, so he gets the back bench. And then Willow (laughs) kind of lies down on the floor. And that's how they that's how they roll. And, you know, I used to have a big infinity, which was comfy, got rid of that. And now I just have a Range Rover and one sits on the chair on top and one sits on the floor. Yeah, Range Rovers are great. We have one as well. So Willa is 11, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty old for any dog, but specifically for like an extra large breed, right? Yeah, she's slowing down. Her hearing is great. Her sight is pretty good, but it's her hind legs that have basically are are really wobbly. And we actually had a scare with her this past June. You know, I feed them in the morning and then I take them for a walk to get the paper and put the bowls out. And Grayson came and was waiting for Willa, waiting for Willa and went back to the bedroom and the door was open in the back. And I saw her that she was throwing up and it was beyond throwing up. Her back legs were shaking, but it looked like almost like cotton ropes were coming out of her mouth. Oh, goodness. And I thought, okay, she's having a heart attack. Let me just get her to the vet immediately. So we scooped her up, brought her to the vet, and they did an x-ray and she had started to bloat, which is when the stomach turns 360 and basically cuts off any kind of airflow and the the stomach basically gets bigger and bigger. It happens in large chested dogs and the stomach basically fills up with gas and they die because of they have a heart attack and die because obviously they, they can't take it. So what they did was stuck a tube down her immediately oh, no. the aspirator, called the vet in Yonkers. The animal hospital down there was phenomenal. They took her, put an IV in her. The, the tech guy in the back of my car, I drove like a bat out of hell down to Yonkers. Oh. They prepped her for surgery and actually they, they also said, listen, you know, her stomach at this point could be dead. So, you know, that's an issue. She could die of a heart attack. So that's another issue. But if she makes it through, what we'll do is untwist the stomach, attach it to the, the side, the, the lining and prevent it from ever, ever happening. And she was a rock star, man. She's not going anywhere. She, wow. she made it through the surgery. So I really think this is kind of her... Her second life that would have taken her out, but mm-hmm. now that she uh, her stomach is fine, and now it's just her back legs, which is so that won't happen again. They fix that problem. Yeah, that won't happen, but it's just her. You know, I can see that her her spine is getting you know kind of fused on the back, and she's got limited mobility. She's you know she can walk. I would never have yeah. her not be able to walk, but it gets uncomfortable for her. But she still goes for walks. It's a, it takes a little time for her to get up in the morning. And she's still, she's not going anywhere. She wants to stay. 
Yeah. And I always ask people who, who have dogs who have lived such long lives what they feed them because I really believe that the diet is responsible for a lot of the life of a dog. Well, Will is kind of peculiar. I mean, right now uh, I, I feed her Gentle Giants, which is where where I got her from. They have their own brand of food. Oh, for cool. Big, big breed dog. So I highly recommend Gentle Giants, but I also do give her treats. And she's one of these. I remember the first time, well, the first week that I had her, I had uh, made a pan of cornbread and I was upstairs and I heard this bam in the kitchen. And I came down and the entire plate of cornbread that was on the counter was on the floor and the plate was like, completely clean, like no. Oh my gosh. I was like, what was that? And she had, so she loves pastries <laughs> and she loves meat. No, no vegetables, no fruit for a snack, but she loves pastries and meat. So that's, I give her a little snack. I too have had some similar experiences of baking and it's just suddenly gone. Yes. Like, what am I supposed to bring to this party? I just made this whole thing. Right. Try to keep my cool and not yell at my dog, but <laughs> It's very difficult, and I know he feels bad. <laughs> so you also had smaller dogs too, right? Mm-hmm. You had a Yorkie. Yeah, I had a uh, a Shih Tzu for sixteen oh, years. Shih- uh, yes. Yeah, uh, named Sebastian, who was I had had him. He was our family dog forever, and again, he lasted almost like fifteen and a half, and he just couldn't. Amazing. His, yeah, his eyes were going and he couldn't hear and he's bumping and everything. But, you know, again, he was like one of those dogs that had seven lives, got hit by a car. Got, oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a small know, dog to be hit by a car. and He survived, you know, so we miss him. But then I had a Yorkie after Sebastian passed because we wanted to get a small dog right after that. And there's Enzo, who was his name, could have had a, a short story written about him. He was one of those tough little guys who was, you know, under five pounds that had just a ferocious temper, but a mighty little thing. And the first time we lost him was we were at a Memorial Day weekend parade and my son had to play saxophone in the band. So I drove to drop him off at the where the band met up about a half a mile down the street. And I noticed we live on a private drive and I noticed that there was this expedition this ford expedition that was kind of parked on the side so and enzo had followed me down the driveway but he usually turns around and goes back Mm -hmm. and it is private property and you know i've got a fence and stuff and so everyone's with us we go to the parade and we and i come back and he usually weeds me at the door but my daughter was out in the back she didn't want to go my oldest daughter and she was by the pool so enzo didn't meet me at the door and i went back and i said where's enzo she's like i don't know isn't he inside i said no he's not and of course my first gut instinct was like that strange car so oh, no. looked everywhere, looked everywhere and couldn't find him, called the police to police come. I said, listen, there was a suspicious car. My dog is gone. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. You, you know, you have hawks here. It might be a hawk. Go, it's not a hawk. I'm telling you. Yes, we do have red tail hawks, but it's not a hawk. And right. OK, well, sure, sure, sure. So then I go to News 12, which is our local our local TV station here. And I said, listen, my dog has been abducted. This is the description of the car. If anybody knows anything, please contact us there will be a reward cut to about it was 10 days and of course you know your heart you you walk by the dog bowl and it's empty your heart sinks uh it's just awful you don't know where they are i got in the car and searched put up all kinds of flyers and posters i get a call about 10 days later from the stanford animal hospital saying we have your dog i said what said yeah we swiped the chip and we have your dog enzo 
And wow. I immediately... Stanford's pretty far from you. I know. I know. Yeah, so, so that's mysterious. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> yeah, very fishy. So I said, I have to ask who brought the dog in, and they gave me the name of this person. So I gave the name of the person to the police. The police called the person in who had given the dog up, and guess who's car is in the police's uh, driveway, but a navy blue expedition. Oh, my goodness. Right. So, of course, they got all jazzed up. What do you want to do? Do you want to press charges? You were right. And I said, no, no, no. At this point, I got my dog back. Hmm. You know, now that we know that that it was an abduction and basically the guy that had stolen him gave it to his sister as a anniversary gift. She found out that it was mine through all the press that I had done. And that's how she handed it in. So. Very strange. So we finally got Enzo back, go out to L.A. to do Desperate Housewives. Him and Willa are out there, two peas in a pod. Christmas time came. My my other kids came out. My mom came out to visit. We were going to go to dinner for in late December. Let the dogs out, out the back door. And Enzo loved to chase bunnies. Let him out the back door, him and Willa, to go to the bathroom before he went to the restaurant. It was a rainy night. Waiting, waiting. I'm making arrangements for the dogs to because uh, we're going away for Christmas and I'm making arrangements for the dogs to be watched. Get off the computer and I see Willa is on the back window pane, all muddy and pawing at the door. So I open the door and I'm like, you're a mess. Where, where's Enzo? Of course, you know, she can't answer. Yeah, me. right. But you uh, always but, think they can. Yeah. But uh, she, she I said, oh, no. And it was kind of on a a steep, the house was on a a steep ledge and there was brush and foliage and stuff, but we looked everywhere. So we canceled, obviously canceled our plans for dinner, looked everywhere and never found him. Put up signs, you know, knocked on doors. I called pet psychics and the psychics, I called two, they both said he was alive and basically was picked up by somebody who saw him. and, And the theory was, which, you know, could be true or not that he had fallen down the ravine and was walking home up the street and somebody pulled over, stopped him and, and picked him up. So I have no idea where he is. Oh my Our heart was, was broken. So, but you know, yeah. it was one of those odd things that we lost him. We had did a whole campaign for home again, for chipping. Cause that's yes, how I got I back. Did read like, about that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it works, all that stuff. And then we lose him again. So Enzo yeah. is a heartbreak dog. Unfortunately, and I, microchips don't work unless someone actually exactly brings they them. Need, what, they yeah. need some tracking devices yes. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we miss oh, him, wow. but uh, so uh, yeah. You've worked with pet psychics. Mm-hmm. Believe in all of that, and well, I the first time was when the first time Enzo was gone, we I called somebody because it was you know days were ticking by, and I just needed to get some extra help, and she said that he was taken. She told me the direction that he was taken, like somewhere south in Yonkers, that he was there and that uh, she didn't say that he was eventually going to get turned back in, but she said he was alive and he was definitely abducted. So that's why I was kind of kind of firm with my belief that I knew he was still alive and I knew that the car that I had suspected was a part of the whole kidnapping thing. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. I was really excited to hear that you had owned both large and small dogs because I have not only a 90-pound Australian Shepherd Great Pyrenees mix, but I also have a tiny little Boston Terrier Chihuahua. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, they couldn't look more different, be different sizes or abilities, personalities, everything. And everyone's always like, why Why do you have two completely different dogs? Mm-hmm. And they, ne- they don't understand. What do you like about having, you know, different breeds and different size dogs? 
Well, every dog has their own different, you know, personality. So that's always fun. And, you know, when you've got a small one, it's so much easier to throw them in the car and take them places. And, but I take my, my big ones are the big ones, which people don't really realize need less work. They're not as hyper. They'll go for a quick jog, but they relax pretty much all day, especially for Great Danes, you know, and Uh you can't really work them hard because you don't want them to stress out their heart. So I found that bigger dogs were easier for me Mm -hmm. and the the little ones were the ones that needed a lot of attention. Yeah. High strung. Great Danes are growing in popularity in Manhattan, actually, which is funny. Well, they, again, they're, you know, they roll up in a ball and they are pretty, they don't really bark a lot. They don't yap. The only thing is, you know, the bigger the dog, the bigger the poop. So in, in the Manhattan, <laughs> have a big bag to, to scoop all that stuff yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is true. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, I just want to ask you a few questions about raising kids around dogs and what it's like to, to include dogs into your family. Time for a walk. In Central Park, of course. We'll be right back with more Tales of the City. This is Ed Lukasevic. And Cindy Lukasevic at Dinovite. This year, whenever you order a 90-day supply of Dinovite for your dog, we'll send you a free sample of one of the other doggy things we make. Like Lico Chops, Super Mega Fish Oil, or Doggo Suds Shampoo. What's on your dog's wish list? We'll offer a different freebie each week at Dinovite.com. Don't you just love the sound of healthy, happy dogs? Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from PetLife Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm here with Vanessa Williams. She has two Great Danes and has done everything with traveling across the country. And she's spoken about the breed. So I just wanted to ask you, you have four kids. Do you feel that it's important to raise kids around dogs? Absolutely. I was raised around dogs and my kids always loved animals. So it shows them uh, how to be responsible. It shows them how to be compassionate. It's an extension of your family and it just enriches every, every holiday, but every, you know, every interaction that you have as a family. And I, I really think that it makes a family life richer, for sure. It's time-consuming. It is expensive. You know, nowadays, I mean, there's so many options that you can do to save your pets from cancer, yeah. from, you know, injury and, and bones and stuff. Before, it was just like, oh, they got cancer, we got to put them down. Now, there's so many opportunities. So that's the great thing about being a pet owner now, that uh, medicine has really stepped up. Yeah. And I know your kids are mostly grown now, but did you ever worry about the safety of your kids around such large dogs? No, I only worried about guests coming over because my kids were always great with the dogs and the dogs knew them and they were pretty well behaved. It was, and particularly with small dogs, guests that come over, playdates, think they're toys and kind of, you know, box them in and go after them. And that's when they get nervous and it's a stranger and that's when they can get snippy and bite out of being defensive. 
And that's when you get a parent, to, you know, who's upset because they came over to the for a play date and their the dog nipped their child. And then all of a sudden your animal services comes over and all that. So that's the, the scenario that stinks. So yeah. have you got, I, ever gotten into any sort of trouble like that? I've had my Shih Tzu who, Sebastian, he had gone after, not gone after, but snipped yeah. in defense like three kids. And, wow. uh, yeah. And after a while, it's just like, well, we just can't have anybody over, you know, he's under the trampoline. Somebody goes under the trampoline. It's dark. They're crawling after him and he gets nervous. So, so we just basically decided not to have anybody over the house anymore or put him away while the play date was happening. Right. Yeah. You have to monitor it. Do yeah. you have any pointers for families with young kids who also have dogs? Well, you know, just realize that they need to be trained. And I've done everything from doggy day camp where you take your dog and you're in a big circle and you kind of learn all the commands as a group thing, which is uh, an option. You can also bring somebody in the house so you can have them show you how they know to go to the bathroom and can signal. Some people have like bells on their out, uh, on their uh, their handles of their door. So the dog learns how to go over or ring the bell. So you know that he has to go outside. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So there's That's a lot of cool. options, but I would definitely say bring, if you don't know how to train a dog, bring somebody in to show you and also read up on the breed because dogs are smart. And if once you figure out what works for them, it can be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And what advice can you give someone who's interested in getting an extra large breed for the first time? Don't be afraid of getting a big dog. It is kind of terrifying when I <laughs> I was thinking the first night when I was asleep and I had had Willa and she was, you know, she was about 96 pounds or so and kind of on the small end, but very delicate. Yeah. And I remember just waking up and she was looming over me, just breathing. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I took her outside and she went to the bathroom. But it was just the the transition from having, you know, a Yorkie to this massive head just breathing down my neck when I was asleep. And she's a love. So don't be afraid. It'll take some time. But they are just the, the gentlest breed, I think. And yes, they can be protective, particularly male dogs. So you've got to train them so they know not to go after anything. But their size is intimidating. And my Grayson has never gone after anybody, but his bark will scare the hell out of anyone. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you have tons of funny stories with having such large dogs. Do they ever inspire your work, like waking up and having a dog? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's uh, I've featured her in a couple of photo shoots, which has been great. And she's uh, she looks very elegant and stuff. Grayson has not been in front of the camera as of yet. But, but you're uh, working on it. But I'm working on it, yeah. <laughs> so they'll be building quite the resume. Yes. <laughs> as well. All right. So uh, finally, maybe most importantly, you've supported the Great Dane Sanctuary and where you got both your dogs, uh, the Gentle Giants, mm-hmm. specifically the Great Dane Sanctuary in Siren, Wisconsin. You said they take the dogs no one else wants and love them for life. It, I guess maybe it's more common for people to unfortunately dispose of these large dogs if they can no longer care for them or yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, you get them as puppies and they're adorable and puppy size and they grow so quickly. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a 230 pound dog and right. they don't eat a tremendous amount of food. So that's kind of a misnomer. It's not like you've got to feed them a whole chicken and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I feed Grace and like 
four scoops twice a day, and that's good for him and a couple of snacks in between. And he doesn't take up that much room, but, you know, he has his couch that he's taken yeah. up. And he sleeps on a chaise lounge, which is was a gorgeous chaise lounge by my fireplace, which is now his bed. And those are his two spots. And I've got a, a nice size house, so he's got the, the room to travel freely. But it's the fear of people that get them as puppies. And then all of a sudden, they feel that they, they don't have the room and, you know, can't afford to feed them. And if, if they can get over the hump and realize that they are gentle giants, which they truly are, they don't take that much room. And they don't really have to be exercised that much. I think they'll enjoy them. Yeah. And if they end up at an amazing place like Great Dane Sanctuary, how can people, you know, support this breed who don't necessarily have the room or the means to adopt one? Oh, give, give, give. These sanctuaries, rescues. um, I'm so happy that it's it is kind of a trend, but people are going to rescues before mm-hmm. going to breeders. And I, I think it's really the, the times have really changed. So purebred is not such a status symbol now, but having a rescue is. And that's really great. Yeah. So, and what people don't understand is you can get purebreds through yeah. rescuing like you Absolutely. have. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I, that was amazing. You have so much to offer. And I can tell that you really care about dogs and feel that they are integral to a family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, you too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That concludes today's episode of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank Vanessa Williams for letting me interview her. That was amazing. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer. Join me next time when I tell you another fun and exciting tale of the city. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.